Vampire War for the Second City is a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat with I, Dale, as storyteller. Please be advised that this podcast contains descriptions of gore, depravity, addiction, coercion, and other adult themes. This is not D&D. This is a game where we play monsters of the night who do monstrous things. Welcome, everyone, to the second session of our Vampire War for the Second City campaign. This session is entitled Your First Night. Last time we played, you awakened in a meat locker in an abandoned restaurant and discovered that you were no longer human and after testing the limits of your newfound supernatural powers, you stumbled out into the cold night and found yourselves face to face with Marcus Dean, a vampire or a monster just like yourselves, who by sheer coincidence had stopped by the restaurant as he had learned of a second inquisition safe house in his area and was running reconnaissance. He was surprised to see you, even more surprised that somehow you were still alive, but acted quickly and, as of tonight, you are under his wing, at least for the time being. And so we resume... It is currently mid-May 2016. Based on the pallor of the black sky above you, it's about midnight, or just after it. You stand in the alleyway at the back of the abandoned restaurant, the Enchanted, 
Marcus Dean in his finely cut suit taking a drag on a cigarette. He lets out a puff of smoke. It floats up, joining the cold autumn mist around you. And then he clears his throat and begins to talk. The Second Inquisition exists only to eliminate us. They've already destroyed a lot of our infrastructure, taken some key members of our organisation. Haven't had many inroads in Melbourne yet, but there are stories coming from the other cities. Luckily, we have a few places that aren't compromised, so we're going to keep them in the dark by enforcing the masquerade. If you make it through tonight, you can go to the Red Star to get better intel on Kindred Society. He takes another drag on his cigarette and then tosses it to the ground in front of him, crushing it underfoot. Reaches into his pocket, pulls out a flip phone, flips it open, and you see him jabbing one of his fingers against the buttons, most likely sending a text message. And as he does so, he briefly looks up, looks at each of you, his eyes narrow, and then he places the phone away in his pocket and holds out his hands as if inviting you to level him with your questions. We stare at him awkwardly. The, the flip phones. That's because you said we don't have oil in our skin anymore. Right, he says. He says, you can't do most of the things you could before. You can't breathe. You don't sweat. You don't cry. You don't fuck. Well, at least you don't unless you stir the blood. It can mimic most of these things, but every time you stir the blood, you stir the beast. And so if you don't have to do it, it's best to find ways around it. He says, I've just sent a message to my driver. She should be here to pick us up very soon. I have a feeling the Inquisition might be aware that something is amiss. They probably had cameras or something watching you in there, right? Had oh, yeah. being the important term. Right, he says. Had being the important term. So you've destroyed the cameras, or otherwise disabled them, which means whoever's watching on the other end knows something is up. So we don't have much time. He says, I estimate we have a couple of minutes. So while we wait, I'm happy to tell you anything you'd like to know. I'm sure that tonight so far must have been a very strange ordeal for you. Uh, <clears throat> I do have a question. Go ahead. Uh, these Second Inquisition people, uh, do they know who we are? As in, would they have known who we were as people before we changed? He says, he frowns and he says, hmm. Well, I'm not entirely sure about that. You see, 
it seems like they just rounded up a bunch of freshly turned neonates, stuck them in that meat locker together. So either they stumbled upon you by chance, or they were tracking your sires. And if they were tracking your sires, there's a chance they know who you are. But it could also just mean that they ambushed your sires, saw that the embrace had been done, and fell into an opportunity. Either way, it's unwise to keep in touch with your mortal friends and family. This will only lead to tragedy, at least for the moment. That said, we often cultivate some sort of relationship with the mortals. Keeps us in touch with what makes us human. Okay, so we, we conquer home. He frowns and he says, Oh, <laughs> you'll learn soon enough. Yes, you can never go home. Things are different now. Even if the Inquisition doesn't know who you are, even if you somehow manage to become anonymous once more, you can never go back. Things will never be the same. I politely refuse that. He shrugs. He says, fair enough. There are some who insist on trying to continue on as they were. Some of them learn, some of them don't. You'll learn in time, I think. He says... As far as I can tell, the only difference between me now and me yesterday is I've got weirder face now. He smiles and he says, yes. He says, well, doesn't take an expert. I look at your face. You're a Nosferatu. One of the few clans that has been blessed with such a visible curse. I'll make clans? He says, clans, yes, well, we're not all the same, aside from being blood-sucking monsters, or so the Inquisition thinks. We are descended from different bloodlines have slight differences between us. Like subbreed, like a pack of dogs of all different breeds. Oh. Okay. He smiles yeah. and he says, and yes, I can see you're about to ask the question. Yes, you are vampires. But we don't use the V word. We call ourselves okay. kindred. Or licks, if you want to be less formal. Okay, so are we? What rules are we under? So are we dust to dawn? Are we uh, true blood? Are are we interview? Um, <laughs> Laura K. Hamilton before he, the porn. He smiles are we, and are we the ones that can be glittery and be outside <laughs> of the stuff? Oh God, no! Please he no. smiles, leans back against the brick wall, and then lets out a laugh in spite of himself, and he says. Don't let vampire fiction fool you, kids. Most of it's just that fiction. Stakes won't okay. kill you, but they can paralyze you. Old superstitions like mirrors, entering a home uninvited, garlic, crossing running water, none of them are true. Crosses have no effect on us either. I've heard of some mortals who can somehow turn them into weapons against us. I've never seen it myself, though. All you need to know is sunlight, bad, 
fire, bad. We feed off the blood of the living. Anything else tastes bitter. You won't be able to hold it down, let alone gain sustenance from it. The hunger is your new best friend and your worst enemy. Enhancing your capabilities, making yourself look alive, using any of your powers, or even waking up every night rouses your blood, and that will make you hungry. You'll have to manage your hunger. Feeding too much or too little can ruin you, even get you killed. That's the most important thing you need to know. For lurking within our vitae, there is a beast that calls to us, and the hungrier we get, the more we lose our mortal attachment, the stronger this beast grows, can even force us to act in ways that we don't like and can't explain. You may have even had an experience like that already. Be careful mm. and try to avoid letting your beast into the driver's seat, okay? Slide my ass over to a suspiciously full-looking fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dusty's already had a run-in with the beast. <laughs> That's very tasty. If I recall correctly, uh, Dahlia's raging at the bit too, isn't she? Yeah, Dahlia's chomping at the bit. She's very hungry, and he can tell, and he's just sort of cautiously eyeing her. And he says, Now, you probably want to go out and eat, right? So, I'll tell you one last thing. We don't allow mortals to know of our existence. You can imagine what would happen if we did right? We call this massive cover-up the masquerade. If people talk about us, the inquisitors show up. Our survival depends on keeping this secret, and I expect all of you to honour it now that you're one of us. He pauses and then lowers his voice even more. If you don't keep the secret, we'll know, and I will be very unhappy about it. Do you get my meaning? See, you say we have to go out and feed and such. That might be a problem for me. A vegan? This isn't really what I want to be doing right now. Oh, honey. He smiles. Oh, honey. He smiles a pitiful smile. And he says, well, there are some among us who choose not to feed off the mortals. Not my style, of course. You can choose to feed off animals. You can choose to feed off blood bags. For most of us, these don't quite have the right taste, but at least they can be a good substitute for the real thing, especially in emergency. Many I feel that's probably still not vegan. As close as you're going to get, he smiles. There are many licks who lead their own lives just by using these unsavory methods. But you're going to have to learn to get your hands I can't, dirty. I can't just do Carrot juice and, and tomato juice and stuff like that. Like, that, that's all I need. He just looks at you. He says, you can try it. Won't particularly help you. And it's going to be very unpleasant for you. But please feel free. Mm. Uh, so, oh, yes. I was just, yeah, so... Earlier, you mentioned something about if we can survive tonight. Are we going to have to go through a test or something? He says, hmm, well, in a manner of speaking, you see, kindred society, there are rules, and any newcomers need to promise that they will follow the rules that 
involves a presentation with the prince of the city, the, the head honcho, the one who calls the shots. But right now, we have to keep you alive. Don't worry, it's not as hard as I'm making out. Your new blood allows you to do an endless number of things you couldn't do as a mortal. You are now an apex nocturnal predator. You can run faster, punch harder, have access to powers that humans can only dream of. But there are new dangers waiting for you. The sun, as I mentioned, daytime is a death sentence, followed by fire and other things. If you don't let these cut you short, you're pretty much immortal. So don't worry about the future. I have a question. You said something about needing to take blood. Do you he, mean we have to kill people? He says, no. You can, but I don't advise it. Mortals are your primary target for feeding, and as an apex predator, you have the tools to hunt them. Feeding on humans doesn't hurt them, usually. In fact, it puts them in a trance and erases all the important details of you from their minds. They can get addicted to it, though, just like you can get addicted to feeding. So play it smart. Take only what you need. Remember to lick the wounds after feeding. We'll erase the marks. Sometimes we make mistakes and take a bit more than we need. Let us let ourselves be consumed by the feeding, but try not to kill them. You leave bloodless bodies around, the Inquisition will start asking questions. It's a masquerade breach waiting to happen. Fair enough. The sound of an approaching vehicle cuts the conversation short. Marcus's driver has arrived, and he smiles in relief. The black SUV pulls up at the end of the alley, tyres screeching against the cobblestone road as the driver brakes hard. She looks tense. We've got to move, sir, she cautions her employer nervously. They're on to me. Marcus immediately springs to action. He starts walking at a brisk pace towards the vehicle, motioning for you to follow him. When he reaches the vehicle, he pulls open the back door and ushers for you to hurry into the vehicle. Oh, yeah. You'll scramble in. Seems like the way to go. You all scramble into the back seat of the SUV. There are six of you. It's relatively cramped, even in this large vehicle, and you end up pressing against each other, mushed in like sardines. There's not enough room to put on your seat belts, so you hope that this is going to be a smooth ride. Once you're all in, Marcus climbs in wedging himself up right next to Dahlia and then pulls the door shut. He nods to the driver and then the tires screech and the SUV pulls away in a hurry. As the black SUV makes its way through South Melbourne, Victorian-era row houses flanking the road on one side and antique storefronts on the other, you can see a white van behind you, clearly following, but it's impeded by the heavy traffic and the driver's superior skills. We need to lose them, Marcus states. But first, I want to divert them from you. We'll drop you off along the way, and I think 
They'll follow us while you get out of here. So you all sit there, tense, watching as for the next ten minutes or so, the driver plays a dangerous game of cat and mouse with the white van, weaving in and out of traffic, cutting through side streets, and doing their very best to avoid the white van as it doesn't as it attempts to gain it's a tug and it's a subtle tug of war you round a corner at some distance from the van only to pull out between two cars and find the van has drawn ever closer thanks to the driver's skill and clever thinking the van remains at least three or four cars length behind you at all times Marcus frowns his eyes fixated on the white van hmm think I know of a good spot where I can drop you off it's within my territory and you'll have the opportunity to grab a bite there he chuckles at this for a while he stays silent only breaking it to give directions to the driver if you had sires, there would be your lifelines tonight, but you'll have to make do with me and my support system. He chuckles as he adds this last part. Get somewhere safe, make sure you're fed, and avoid the sunrise. He punctuates the last three words with the hand gesture. I'll be at the Red Star tomorrow. Hope you can make it too. He reaches into his coat pocket and holds out the flip phone. <laughs> He hands it to Hope, who is... Hands it to Dahlia, who's right next to him. And Dahlia, you take the phone, you look at it, doesn't have a touch screen. Instead, it has little keypad buttons and a small screen with black and white text on it. This is year 2008. What are we doing with this? This phone is old and it's safer than a smartphone, says Marcus. The Inquisition shouldn't pick up your calls. Hit the redial button to reach a friend of mine if you get into serious trouble. She owes me a favour and she'll help if you mention my name. Do not use it to call your family or your friends. You have to assume that the Second Inquisition has already tapped their phones and don't visit any of your usual hangouts for the same reason, at least not yet. As the driver slows the car and grinds to a stop he doesn't say goodbye but instead looks back and gestures for you to hide as you leave the car marx's car pulls out into traffic with some fancy driving maneuvers followed by the white van and marcus kicks the door open leans back against the seat giving you all room to scramble out and as soon as your feet touch the concrete he gestures and hisses, hide, hide. Oh, yeah. I'd like everyone to please roll a dex stealth check. Or, Desmond, as a Nosferatu, you may use your obfuscate ability to simply stand still. Oh, yeah, I guess I'll do that. Ah, let's I certainly wish I could run down an obfuscate. <laughs> <laughs> if you have obfuscate, um, you can use that. Yeah, no, it's like the tier, it's the tier one ability. Yeah. Dex and stealth. Yep, Dex and stealth. And hunger, obviously. And hunger as well, yes. 
Um, and I'm assuming it's fairly dark, so does Shadow Cloak apply here? It is fairly dark, so Shadow Cloak applies, so you may add your Oblivion dots to your uh, deck stealth check. Lovely, thank you. Oh my god, just not real. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got two for dexterity, but nothing for stealth. Just roll and two, and they're all going to be hunger dice. Okay. Yep. Getting ready to tackle another vampire. <laughs> it's a six and a four. Six and a four. Okay, so one success, that's fine. Uh, probably not worth the willpower at this point. I'll say Desmond gets automatic critical success. And what does everyone else get? Two. Two. Three successes. Three and one. Yep, that's enough altogether. So as soon as you exit the car, you immediately scramble, ducking behind nearby trash cans, a park bench, a couple of you darting into the shadows of a nearby alleyway. Marcus's car screeches back into nearby traffic. The white van zooms past. Its occupants luckily don't notice any of you. And once you see both of them round the next corner, you come out of hiding. You were left standing where Marcus dropped you off. It was a close call, but you managed to hide before the Inquisitors in the van could spot you. And as you step out and congregate on the footpath on this cold, empty street in the middle of this near-freezing May night. Everything starts to sink in. What you are, what you just learned, how does it make you feel? Not great. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing will ever be the same again. His words ring true. So... Mm-hmm. You've been given your directions how to survive for the night. First order of business, finding something to eat. You start to look around, take stock of where Marcus has left you. And there are there is one building that takes up the majority of this street, splayed across most of the city block, a huge multi-storey apartment tenement built probably around the turn of the 20th century. It's once polished white facade now covered in grime and muck. This seems like an adequate place to hunt, but you can also choose to hunt on the streets. Marcus said this was his domain, whatever that is, so as long as you don't head too far from this location, you should be able to find a meal wherever you like. Um, before we get started, Eric's phone. Yes. Who's got that? I believe Dahlia. I'm asking. Mm. Dahlia, do you know how to pop a SIM card? Yeah, I don't know how to use this brick. <laughs> so Dahlia takes the phone, 
sticks her one of her long fingernails into the tiny SIM card slot and presses, and then there's a click, and the SIM card slides out. Okay, we take that out, we take the battery out. That should mean they won't be able to track it when Eric knows it's gone. Indeed, good idea. You take the SIM card, and then take the phone from her, flip it upside down, remove the back casing and pull out the battery and toss it in the trash can that you were hiding behind mere seconds ago. And then we can put the SIM card in the flip phone and see if we can find the contact, at least have that number if we need it. Yeah. That might be, that's a good idea. Um, Go is ahead. Is it a disposable phone though? Those don't have I SIM don't cards. I know how to explain it though. I feel like we really shouldn't get rid of that case, and I don't know why. Yeah, you see yourself... You've noticed that you're holding your hand over the trash can, about to drop the phone in with the battery, and for some reason, you just can't bring yourself to, Rose. It's like there is a voice in the back of your head. Maybe it's your beast, maybe it's something else, but... It's pushing you to keep this, that even if it doesn't have a use, that you must hold on to it. I'll take the battery out and look at it again, then not toss the battery and put the case in my coat. Everyone else just looks at you as you slide the now batteryless, simless phone into your pocket. Mm. That so actually reminds eating. me. Um, mm. Sorry, I, I forgot to check last session. Do we have anything on us? Do we have our phones? No, on us you don't have your phones. You don't have your oh, wallets. Oh my god. Oh god. Just our clothes, oh, that's it. Just but your they clothes. They keep our clothes, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, they let you keep your clothes, thankfully, because judging by your <laughs> face, Desmond. Um, <laughs> it's actually our clothes on. Yeah, you've you've got you've got all got your clothes on, but anything you were carrying at the time of your abduction, you now having seen Rose put away this phone that belonged to Eric, you realize that you didn't even check to see if you have your own phones on you. So you you instinctually you all reach for your pockets and find them to be empty. Your phones are gone. Your wallets are gone. And if your wallets are gone, so is your identification. Which means okay. we are. At yeah. least for the moment, yeah. Oh, yeah. I okay, we... think we should maybe, maybe do two things. Uh, I know we're not exactly friends or whatnot, but it's probably in our best interest to work together for now at the very least, yes? Oh, yeah. Well, it seems that we need to A, get something to drink, and B, perhaps find out who has our identification and get that back. I don't know about the rest of you, but I personally don't want them sniffing around the people I care about. Well, I dare say that if they already have our identification, they already know who we are. Well... And they've already passed that information on to anyone else who they care to pass it on to. 
If it only happened, if, if it happened recently, they might not have passed it on yet. Either way, I would feel more comfortable at least giving it a shot. It's worth we've a try. A we've had it for a day. Although Dusty, strange government agents knowing your identity isn't exactly a new concept for you. You, uh, in your life as a YouTuber who absolutely destroys all sorts of conspiracy theorists on the line, you've because of the things that you've had to look up and some of the discourse you've engaged in, you've doubtless ended up on at least one watch list by now. So feeling is not a new one for you. Of course, this time it might be a bit more dangerous that they know who you are. But, if, but regardless, even if we find one person who has it, they could have emailed it to 100 people. We don't have the resources to... Hunt that down. Well, I'm going to give it a try anyway. It's worth and a try. And I want my phone back, so... Yeah, you want your phone back. Or your you, can't even use it. you can't even use your phone at the moment. Oh, maybe I can sell it on eBay or something. I don't know. I just got a new iPhone. Sucks, man. And? I will buy you, I will buy you a new iPhone. <laughs> oh, seriously? You will? Wait, how wealthy are you? I am well off. Damn, okay. <laughs> Your mind briefly flicks back to the veritable stash of brand new iPhones that you have sitting in your desk drawer in your video production room. Gifts from gifts from all sorts of companies chasing sponsorships. She doesn't know this, of course, but <laughs> you'll be able to make good on your promise. Mm. So, first order of business as you look over at Dahlia and see her eyes bloodshot, her face pale, despite what she said about being a vegan, you see her hungry eyes scanning the street from left to right as her beast unconsciously searches for prey. Mm. Where would you like to hunt? Um, well, I have prey exclusion, and that's going to mess me up if I don't hunt. That's properly. okay. What is your prey exclusion? Um, well, I'm a scene queen. Yeah. So ah, I, yes. I, I, I hunt on my hipsters, my fellow hipsters. <laughs> that's fine. You could probably find a hipster somewhere here. Um, since it's your first <laughs> hunt, your predator type won't... Your predator type doesn't really matter in this first hunt. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, you only hunt hipsters i see but that's fine you can probably find one this is south melbourne <laughs> it's just up to you whether you'd like to search for one in this aging old apartment building that's in front of you or if you want to just wander the streets and see if you happen to find any hipsters perhaps on Do their way home from a night of clubbing do we know, like, what time it is at the moment? Yeah, based on the flip, on the time on the flip phone, it's just after 12.30 in the morning. Okay. okay. What time does dawn hit around here, guys? About mm. four That's to five. five. Oh, we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. do any of you have that thing where you can mind control them, like in the movies? Uh, I mean, I use I them. mean... Men in Black flashy fair thingy. Yeah. 
<laughs> at this point, Derek has kind of started to wander off as he is also at five hunger and is a little distracted. Yeah, yeah. So, Derek, you're just going to wander off into the streets? Oh, crap. Uh, yeah. All right, so Derek's... Like, just looking around, yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, what do the rest like, of you do? Is night markets on or something like that? Well, there so might be, like but you up. get the feeling that you probably shouldn't stray too far from this specific area. Because you keep yeah. remembering how Marcus said, this is part of my domain. And the implications of that phrase are sort of swilling around in your head. You don't want to be poaching on someone else's hunting ground, not on your first night. Okay. Let, let's go feed. Maybe not all as one big group. Maybe we could split into like two groups. Right. Some of you prowl the streets, some of you enter the building. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I'll stay on the streets. Sure. I'm, I'm going to go to a club. You can go to a phone, yep. No, no, club. A oh, club, yeah, you can go to a club if you like. Um, if you can find one nearby. Um, right, so who's going to prowl the streets and who's going to enter the building? Uh, I'll enter the building. Yep. So two of our members are blood-starved, basically. Yeah, and they're the ones yeah. that are prowling the streets. <laughs> I'm going to follow those two. All right, Desmond's basically, following yeah, them. I'm just going to... either Whichever one I see a person at first is probably where I'm going to go. <laughs> yep. So, Dusty, um, you look around, and normally it shouldn't be too hard to find a club in South Melbourne, but... It looks like you've basically been dumped in an old residential area. There's the apartment block down the road. There's, you know, a couple things like backpacker hostels and a motel. A couple cafes that are closed at this time of night. But there doesn't be, appear to be anything in the way of a club. And you get the feeling you should at least stick with the group tonight. I'll head back to uh, where they were. Yep. So you want to go into the building with uh, Rose? Yeah. yeah. Sylvia, where would you like to go? I will go into the building as well. Make it sure. even 33. Okay. So, this aging behemoth of a building that was once an art deco beauty luxury boarding house for socialites and ingenues. Time has left the Cicero behind, however, and it now stands as seven stories of rickety staircases, peeling wallpaper and stained linoleum, where those down on their luck seek shelter on the cheap. As you push through the front entrance, you see a clerk watching the front desk. His job is mostly to chase away vagrants and to call the cops if the tenants start fighting too loudly. He's doughy and pliable, and right now he seems to be more interested in watching AFL highlights on his tiny TV than doing his job. Hey, come on, pies, he says his gaze fixated on the little tv screen and he makes no reaction to you entering the lobby at all just beyond him you see an elevator and a staircase that leads up to the apartments but you also notice behind the desk behind the clerk a set of keys 
hangs on the wall. Should we ask for a room, or are we just going up? I whisper to them. Hold that thought. I hop over the desk, grab the keys, smile at him. Hey, forget about this. Now back across the desk. (laughs) Yeah, so Hope just walks, takes one look at Sylvia, then she just walks forwards, climbs over the desk, and as she does so, the doughy doughy clerk looks up and he says, Hey, you can't... Rose snatches the keys, looks down at him, looks him in the eye and says, forget, and then climbs deftly over the counter again. The man blinks and... Sorry Sorry about that. Please lead the way. (laughs) The, the, The man blinks, shakes his head, and then he looks back towards the screen and immediately goes... Oh no! As the other team kicks a goal. <laughs> okay. I mean, that works too, I guess. You stroll past the reception desk and the clerk pays no attention to you. The elevator seems to be out of order. A big sign hanging on the metal door exclaims as much, leaving the stairs for you. But what's a few flights of stairs to someone incapable of breaking a sweat? So you push the metal door open, begin to climb the stairs, and... Do you want to all get off at the same floor, or would you each like to take a separate floor? How hungry are people? Yeah, what's your hunger at, you three? I'm also on three. You're on three. Oh, yes, of course you are. Yep, you hear three. Oh, I'm two. on two. <laughs> what are you at, Hope? Okay. Three. Three? Three, two, two? Yeah, not terribly hungry. I can't hear Hope. What? Oh, how about now? Oh, I can hear it. I can hear Hope. Um, maybe, maybe I should only turn it down. Yeah, maybe you turned Lost Demiurge down. Um, right-click on his name. Right-click on his name and see what the volume's at. Um... Yeah, I just reloaded it. It should be working now. I yeah. Think. Hello? Test. Yeah, I, I can hear you now. Oh, there we go. Okay. So you're at two, oh, okay. three, and two. You're not terribly hungry, so... We could probably split up without, like, uh, turning this into a horror movie. Yep. Uh, but also, this is kind of illegal, right? So maybe we stick together? Yeah. It's... Okay. Well, you're going to be breaking works. into people's apartments. It's very illegal. Well, at least we're legal as a group. Yep. Right. Uh, I won't lie, I'm a stranger here, so uh, I'm happy following you guys wherever. Yep. So, you climb another flight of stairs to the third floor and decide to get off here as a group. You push open the metal door and find yourself in a narrow hallway that runs the span of the building, the gaudy yellow wallpaper faded and peeling and... Running the length of the hallway are five doors, two on each side and a fifth at the very end, numbered one to five, the apartments of this floor, and you have the keys for each of them. How would you like to do this? Maybe knock and find one where people are silent? 
Or do we want a uh, awake victim? Well, we probably want different victims, I would certainly. You probably I do want different victims. Yeah. I mean, what's his name? They drank a lot of blood from... Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um... Yeah. That'd kill somebody, I think. Hmm. So we might have to do this a couple of times. Very well. So just pick a room at random. Let yourself in. See who's inside. Unless we find a fam... No, fuck, that's horrible. Uh, (laughs) No. No. Yeah, a family. Well... No. You get the impression that... Well, you don't get the impression because you're a stranger, but Dusty and Sylvia look around. And, you know, this is an old run-down apartment building in the middle of South Melbourne. It's the type of place that usually would serve as housing for students and hipsters, young adults. It's unlikely you'll find families here. Maybe a couple, though. All right. Who'd like to go first? So... Well, why don't we see who's in there? And yeah, that sounds good. All right. So I'd like each of you to please make a wits and awareness check. And if you have heightened senses, you may add your awe specs to it. Hey, two successes. Two successes. Uh, that is... Sorry, four successes. Oh, shit. Oof. Jesus. Four successes. That, that, was good, that was good shit. I just rolled three tens. None of them won the hundred days either. Yeah, that's oh. so... <laughs> so, you each split up, move to each of the doorways, press your ear, press your head against the doors and... Use your hunter's sense to try and hear what's on the other side. And you determine all of the rooms to be silent, save for apartment number two, behind which you hear the sound of running water. So when you say silent, that means that it's uninhabited. Either uninhabited... They're so probably inhabited because they're locked, asleep. but the per- them people inside are probably I, asleep. I, I meant to say asleep, and I don't know why I said inhabited. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you guess the silent ones, the inhabitants are asleep. Yeah. Um, sleeper sounds good to me. Yep. All right. All right. So who wants to go first? Uh, Hope, why don't you take the lead on this? Yeah, Hope's good at taking the lead so okay. far. You hand the uh, set of keys to Hope. And Hope, which room do you want? All of them except for room two are silent. Start with lucky number one. Okay. So, you walk up to room number one, slide the key into the lock, turn it, and hear the click. Then you push the door open and step into the darkness beyond This room smells of sex and old lube. There's a man spread across the mattress, not going anywhere. Motionless. Half a bottle of bourbon and painkillers lie next to him. 
Well, this is what we're here for. Oh, head in. Head in. Glant. Carefully. Check the other rooms to make sure there's nobody hiding in there. Yep. I'd like you to make a deck stealth check, please. All right. Let's see. What am I rocking for that? Not my worst, actually. It's pretty good. What could possibly go wrong? Hey, not, nothing. We're good. You step into the darkness. You carefully shut the door behind you. The apartment is nothing more than a main room, a kitchenette, and a bathroom. So you cross the main area, push open the bathroom door, and quickly check to make sure no one's in there. You're safe, and so you approach the bed. Empty bottles and pill boxes, a framed photo, four children and their parents standing in front of red rock cliffs. The parents' faces have been crossed out with a black marker. The man wearing his underwear, wearing only his underwear, snores fitfully. He looks healthy, so I hope I'm doing this right. Lean over, open your mouth and sink your fangs into his neck. He stirs, but in the depths of his drug and alcohol stupor, he does not wake. You feel the sweet blood exiting his vein, splashing on your tongue, sliding down your throat. It is exquisite, like the most finely aged wine. You drink, you keep drinking, feeling the beast purring, satisfied. And here is where I will explain how feeding works. When you feed on someone, you may reduce your hunger to one and take enough blood and take enough blood from them that you will be relatively satisfied and leave them alive. However, you may choose to go further and completely drain them, killing them. And this is the only way to set your hunger to zero. But I don't. You don't. You're only at hunger two, so I you're don't. relatively in control. So you take hunger three. So. Hunger three. Yeah, you're relatively in control. So you take just enough to satisfy the beast, and then, exerting all your willpower, you tear yourself away. You know, you so desperately want to drink more, but you're satisfied for now. Set your hunger to one. As you lean over, and just as you were instructed, lick the wound, mm -hmm. the wound instantly closes, leaving no evidence that you were here. Now, here's a question for you. He was writing painkiller and alcohol he combination. Was. How much of that am I feeling? I'd oh, like boy. you to please make a stamina check. A stamina and yeah, just stamina on its own, please. Yeah, as soon as I walked in here, I was like, uh-oh. Then it's like, oh no, I would not know that. One success. One success. And then, about a second after you step away from the bed, you stumble, immediately feel dizzy as... A veritable overdose oh, of booze and pills begin to flood oh, through your my. system. 
Rolls based on dexterity and intelligence will lose one die for the rest of the night. Oh, no. I, I'm going to leave you here, buddy. Hope, you are you feeling well. okay? <laughs> you oh. see, yeah, you see Hope stumbling out of the room and... Close even the door, takes two tries. Caught warily nice. and nauseously hand the keys over to the next person, your hand shaking. We... Fun fact, we can get drunk off drunk, guys. Oh, God. <laughs> Sylvia looks like you're you up next. You are what you eat. You are uh, what you eat, exactly. Uh, Sylvia, which room would you like? I'll go to number three, I guess. Number three, very well. You walk to the very next door, room number three. Insert the key into the lock and jiggle it around a bit. At first, it doesn't seem like it's going to... Doesn't seem like it's going to unlock. Seems like it's jammed, but then you groan. And pull it as hard as you can, and there's a click, and the door slides open. You step into the darkness. A woman sleeps fitfully, the mattress squeaking as she tosses and turns. Two trash bags by the door contain all of her belongings. An angry red burn spreads from her shoulder to her neck. All right. I'll also have a look around um, yep. as much as I can in the darkness, I guess. And Make a deck stealth check and you may add your oblivion dots to this. Okay. Yay, yeah, the sombra. Two successes. Two successes. Just like Hope, you see that this apartment constitutes nothing more than a bedroom and a bathroom. You quickly search the bathroom, find it to be empty, and then approach the bed. The woman is wearing an heirloom wedding ring. You quickly gaze at the trash bags by the bed. There's more jewellery glistening in one of the bags, and on the bedside table... Her purse sits, a stack of $100 bills next to it. The woman turns fitfully, frowning, and now you notice that she clutches in her right hand a pocket knife. Okay. Um, just taking a quick look around, do I see any alcohol or drugs nearby? No, no alcohol or drugs. Excellent. Okay. Uh, is there any way I could try and take the pocket knife from her? Yes, you can. And so you move towards her and lean over. And here is where I will reveal that she got three successes when she rolled. Oh, no. And so as you approach her, she hears the sound of your boot crunching into the wooden floorboard and instantly her eyes shoot open she can't quite see you all she can see in front of her is a shadowy silhouette and so she sits immediately up swinging the knife randomly in the darkness and calling out ah stay away ah, ah. i would like you to please make either a dex athletics check or a fighting or a uh, strength brawl check. Okay. <laughs> Two successes. 
two successes. And once again, she got three successes. You're taken by surprise. You frozen on the spot for a moment and her knife cuts through the front of the hem of your dress spilling some of your blood on the bed and dealing two points of superficial damage to you ow okay um can i shout for hope fantastic yeah you can um guys some help in here please Hope and Dusty, you hear Sylvia's voice call out warily from behind door oh, number three. Oh, boy. I will go in and... Yep. So, um, yep. Dusty, you're going to head in? Yep. So Dusty immediately... D Dusty immediately rushes forward, Hope following, and you burst through the door to find Sylvia clutching the hem of her dress, bleeding as the woman on the bed flails a pocket knife around in the darkness. She sees the door open. She looks over at you and she screams, Ah! Stay away! I'll call the police! I will! He got a He's got a restraining order! You stay away! Can I use Entrancement and then try to calm her with Persuasion? Yes, you can. So you activate your presence, and as you approach her, trying to soothe her, I would like you to please make a Charisma, charisma Persuasion check, and you may add your presence to this. Sorry, Dusty? Oh, okay. I was going to use the entrancement day first, which is actually a... Uh, oh, you're using the higher level power. Sorry. Um, yeah, not, not all entrancement, which is the level three. So I need to make a rouse check. Yes, you do need to make a rouse check. Succeeds. So I don't... Top you don't here. get um, a high... So, yep. So you're just going to entrance her. It's my charisma plus presence. Yep, versus her composure plus wits. Go ahead and roll that, please. Uh, three successes all up. Three successes, and she got two successes. You step forwards. You don't need to say anything. You call the blood and look into her eyes. And instantly she's under your spell. She flails the knife feebly one more time and then stops. She opens her hands, drops the knife on the bed, and just stares at you. Thanks. Is she attractive? She's... Oh, you God. look at her and she may have been attractive once. Now that there's light, ambient light flowing in from the hallway outside, you can all get a good look at her. She looks to be in about her mid-40s. Um, and for huh. want of a better word, she's looking quite downtrodden she may have once been attractive in her youth but all you see before you is a battered broken frightened woman oh shut the door behind us oh just to who was the new feeding sylvia sylvia i'll just just step forward for sylvia okay thank you i will walk over and take a bite you approach her and as you approach her, she, she just looks up at you, her bottom lip trembling, and she says, You're, You weren't sent by my husband? 
I assure you, I no, I really wasn't. She sighs in relief and then sits there still, staring at Dusty, her face enraptured as if she's suddenly fallen in love with him. And she does not move as you lean over her, Sylvia, bare your fangs and plunge them into her neck. Feel the blood leave the vessel, splash down your throat, and your beast purrs as for the first time you taste blood and realise, realise finally why your beast pushes you to feel this hunger. Do you take only what you need or do you take it further? Only what I need. You drink, you keep drinking and your beast urges you more, more, more. And then Hope steps forwards, places her hand on your shoulder. You screw up your face and pull your fangs out of the woman's neck and then lean over and lick the wound, closing it. The woman blinks and then she sighs contentedly, leans back down and within seconds is snoring in the bed. Great. Uh, is she still holding the pocket knife? She's still holding the pocket knife. And you now reach over and she's in a deep sleep. So you just take the pocket knife from her hand. Your blood still wet on the blade. Great. It seems incredibly unfair that I don't get any weird Jedi mind powers. Meanwhile, you guys do. <laughs> um, sorry. It's like dog breeds. I guess you're like a greyhound and I'm like a dachshunder something. <laughs> sure. I don't know if the metaphor carries, but we'll go with that. He could be a corgi because she thought he was cute. All right. <laughs> I forgot you were drunk. All right, what? Dusty, your I'm turn. Drunk. I'm help. You creep, uh, creep out of the room with God. Hope staggering behind you and hand the keys over to Dusty. Dusty, it is your turn. Which room will you take? Don't worry. You'll find number your special two. power someday. Number two or nine that was... Uh, it was number two that has the running water sound behind it. All right. Well, let's not... The running water continued even after it's, she screamed out. Uh... You step out into the hallway and you listen and you can no longer hear the running water from behind door number two. Any other noises around? Nope, all of the rooms are still silent. It's possible that considering the woman in this apartment, maybe late night screams are more common to the other residents than you think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Let's go lucky number eight. Lucky number eight, all right. And so, you walk towards the door and slide the key into the lock. This time it opens without any prompting. Click, push open the door and step inside. You see an extremely thin woman having fallen asleep on a pile of laundry, a highlighted movie script across her lap. Books on acting mm. technique and celebrity gossip magazines lay scattered oh, around the room. Oh, she. You see this all over in LA. Indeed. 
Melbourne's not that different. What would you like to do, Dusty? Uh, well, I guess we'll creep in and uh, feed. Yep. So please make a deck stealth check as you creep towards her. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, look, I didn't roll any ones, at least, but they were fives, fours, and threes, so... Oh, okay. Do you have any willpower? Yeah, you can oh, spend yeah. a willpower to re-roll up to three non-hunger dice. The non-hunger dice. Oh, okay, so I can re-roll two dice then, essentially. Cause, yep. So non-hunger dice? Non-hunger okay, dice, yep. So you just mark off one of your okay. willpower and... Done. I got two successes then with the re-roll. As you creep towards her, you look around, take stock of the room. A plastic cask of wine on the floor next to her, still mostly full. Half a carton of cigarettes. The fridge hangs open. There's no food inside it. And an empty purse lies next to her mm. on the pile of laundry. You, As you approach her... You notice she's extremely thin, looks sort of anemic as if she hasn't eaten in several days. This is going to be a bad idea to feed on her then, isn't it? She's looking that sickly. You can feed from her. You can, you can still try and feed from her and only take a little bit if you like. Well, I only need a little bit. I'm on two. two so, yeah. Yep. So you want to risk it? Yeah, why not? I'm not going to try another stealth check after this, so yeah. So you walk up to her and bare your fangs, plunging them into her bony neck. It takes a few seconds for the blood to begin to pump and then you feel it entering your mouth, not in a steady stream like everyone else, but seemingly a drop at a time. You take only a little bit before you hear her breathing become laboured and you may reduce your hunger by one. I'll also, which I forgot to do last time when I was feeding on... Uh, who did I feed on? Uh, on Derek. Who? Derek, yes. yeah, I to do this last time. I won't use my lingering kiss. Ah, your lingering kiss, right. That will Which be... means that during feeding, I then get to add presents to any charisma-based pulls against targets. Yes. Uh, they can test each week to resist, but yeah. I may never see her again, but hey. Yeah, but as you take these drops of blood only a little bit and hear her breathing become laboured you force yourself away and as you lick the wound you work your lingering kiss and her face tortured sad twists into a contented smile and she groans mm. as you close the wound and then you creep out of the room, pushing the door shut behind you, rejoining the others, now well-fed. I want to do something before we leave. <laughs> what do you want to do? I want to help her out. And I go back to room one. 
It takes me a few tries to get the keys in if you'll let me. Does anyone stop me? Is anyone going to stop Harp? What, what do you want to do? I want to yeah. give his money to her. That's not going to help anything. I'll get her a fucking meal. Sure, sounds good to me. Yeah, go for it. Right, Harp, make a dex stealth check, please, and you get one penalty dice. I sure do. But I just <laughs> fed off this guy, so he's probably a little sounder asleep. He probably anymore. is, but just in case. Yeah, I could budge. One success. One success. You stumble into room number one and see the man still in the midst of his drug stupor and as he hears the door open he mumbles something uh, hey, hey. you step into Fuck the him, room it. approach him grab his wallet lift out a 100 dollar note and a 20 dollar note all he has on him then you stumble out of the room into and go slide it under the door slide it under the door of the aspiring actress's room and then pull the door to room one shut behind you shutting it perhaps a little too loud and once again being greeted with a cry of ah, hey, from the other side of the door and then you smile at the others you've done a good deed for the night good job as an aside just the mechanics thing you know, that last point of hunger, you have to kill to a film? Yep. To feed? Yep. You? To, to get, you can only go to hunger zero by killing, yep. Okay, cool. Just wanted to, I wasn't sure on that one. Cool. So you should, you could lowest you can go without killing is hunger one. So, yeah. we cross to the other group who, as this is happening, uh, turn their backs to the apartment building and disperse into the nearly abandoned streets of this run-down residential part of South Melbourne, prowling the side streets and alleyways between the turn-of-the-century Art Deco buildings and the Victorian row houses. Are you staying as a group or are you all going your separate ways? I would prefer to stay as a group. <laughs> yeah, Desmond wants to make sure no one <laughs> gets killed. I'm not, I'm not trying to like leave them, so yeah. Yeah, alright. So, I would like, in that case, the three of you to please make uh, a wits investigation check. Investigation. Let me bring up my thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of mine are on the dice? Yep, yours will be on the hunger dice. So what was it? Wits and what? Wits and investigate. Uh, so that's Wait, no four successes and one natural one. Three natural. successes. Five. This will go well. I'm rolling one die. <laughs> How do you go? Uh, well, it's a success. <laughs> Okay, so about five minutes later, you turn a corner and there at the edge of the city block, 
You see a woman waving a book around like it's a sacred sword, screaming at the top of her lungs for everyone who will listen, her grey hair blowing in the midnight wind. Her screams are frantic and nearly incomprehensible. Her clothes tattered, stained. She's clearly homeless and possibly insane. And as she sees you approach, she holds her book up high and you see it's a battered Bible. The end is nigh. Corporations own our souls. Rupert Murdoch is going to eat Everybody and hunt us on his South Pacific Island. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's at hunger five. I can't rouse, can I? Uh, you can, but if you fail, you will immediately go into frenzy. Uh, okay, so I won't do that. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. Just tell me beforehand so I can get in the brace position. <laughs> Um, so wait, neither of you can use any of your powers? Because you're... Well, they can, but they risk frenzying. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I can still use my, like, base abilities. Yeah, I and I, I know I Dahlia can use her... ...without risking going into frenzy. Yeah, but Dahlia okay, can use her the... ore, but this woman's obviously not a hipster. Yeah. Right. I'm so doing that awkward thing where, like, you know when you see someone that you're like, I don't want to associate with this person on the street, and I'm kind of like looking away and trying not to interact with her because she that's, seems crazy. That said, you both are at Hunger 5, and so as you yeah. approach her and see her illuminated in the pale street light, and she continues shouting, the forests burn because nobody thinks of the babies! Destroy your phone! Burn your money! You see her vein in her neck pulsing as blood pumps through it and i would like derek and dahlia to please make willpower checks to avoid frenzy i have a question yep. i was gonna ask this before am i able to try to use my abilities my points in leadership to try to facilitate calmness among my compatriots as with... i do have some experience with people who are going with through the... serious addictions <laughs> With an anger frenzy or a, or a terror frenzy, perhaps, but a hunger frenzy is in a whole different level. So it's not like an addiction would be? Mm, actually, yeah, it's a good way to... It is sort of like an addiction. Um, So I'll let them do their checks first, and then I'll describe mm -hmm. what you do. Yep. I'm guessing this is roll equal to what your willpower is? Yep, roll equal to what your willpower is, please. I rolled uh, so badly. Yeah, and are the are those hunger dice apply to this? Um, hunger dice do not. Dice? No, all, all regular dice. Just all okay, regular well, dice. I rolled five dice and I got rolls one to five, as in one, two, three, four, five. Okay, oh so rolls. yeah, no successes. Um. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, on the other hand, I got three. On the other hand, you got three. Okay, so Derek, okay. you managed to hold yourself back just enough to stop the beast from taking over while Dahlia just growls and bends her knees about to leap forwards. Um, 
And Desmond, if you'd like to try to use your leadership, you can roll it, but you have to get at least uh, five successes because that's what her willpower is. So is it just leadership then? Or uh, it'd be, it'd be charisma and leadership. Um, okay. Dang, I was hoping it was composure. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll you are composure. Well, I'll let you do composure. That makes sense. Oh, okay. That, that increases my chances significantly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I have so much will. <laughs> uh, I have three successes. Three successes. And so you see Dahlia's knees bending uh, and you step forwards and you say, look, you have to fight the addiction. Don't let it overtake you. Remember, you have to stay in control of yourself. There's always another way. And she just she just growls and she leaps upon the woman and before you have a chance to do anything she sinks her teeth into the woman's neck and Dahlia you don't even taste the blood it's against your prey exclusion you don't care it still nourishes you but it tastes like nothing like liquid mothballs running down your throat and you keep drinking and drinking while the other two just stand there it all happens in the span of a couple of seconds nobody has a chance to do anything you lose yourself in the feeding you're barely aware of the woman's heartbeat growing weaker and weaker until your Are beast we not able to stop her until she are we able to stop her before she kills the woman? You can try. I mean, I'm assuming we can't stop her from feeding, but can we stop her you from could, killing? You could try to. Okay. So I would like you in that case, Desmond, to please make a strength athletics check. Mm -hmm. And you have to get at least five successes, because that was her willpower, and she's frenzying in the midst of a frenzy. No, uh, I only got one success. Yeah, so Desmond, you leap forwards, you grab her by the arm and try to pull her away, and she just growls as she drinks deeper and deeper. The woman lets out a gasp, her last gasp, and her body twitches, and then finally you pull Dahlia away. Dahlia, your beast purrs. Please reset your hunger to zero. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and add a stain to your humanity, please. Before okay. you lies the poor homeless woman, her face pale, her eyes staring terrified into the night, unmoving. She is dead. All happened so quickly. Oh, God. Uh, I just it... I just look on it disgust. Is there anyone else like did anyone see that? Or... You look around <laughs> and luckily the street is empty enough that no one saw this display, but what do you do now? Do you just leave her there? I didn't mean to do that, guys. I'm I, I, I don't know what happened. Dahlia's voice right. is on the verge of bursting into tears as she expresses how she didn't mean to do this. Alright, is there an alleyway or something nearby? There is. Or There's an alleyway uh, across the road and a large green dumpster at the mouth of it. And, and no one's around? No one's around. Alright, I will take the dead body over to the dumpster and 
I will use my vampire strength to remove the head. Ooh. <laughs> yep. If we leave it with two large bite marks in its neck, it's going to be incredibly obvious what happened here. Yeah. So... Can I just do a lift your clothes after they're dead or not? Um, well, no. They need to be alive. There's no no living oh. process to seal the wound, so... Oh, uh, okay. I didn't realise that either. So Desmond yeah. just silently picks her up, carries her across the road, and lowers her into the green dumpster, and then he tells you to look away for a moment, and as you turn around, you hear a sickening <coughs> And when you turn around once more, you see Desmond closing the lid of the dumpster, holding the woman's head by her hair. Desmond, please add a stain to your humanity. Sure. What do you do with the head? I mean, I was going to leave it in the dumpster. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Just like as in somebody really violently killed this woman, basically. Perhaps to make it a bit harder, you move a bit further into the alleyway and see a wheelie bin there, and you pop Mm. the lid on the wheelie bin and drop the head inside, separating it from the body. And as you do so, you feel incredibly sick. This is someone who you should have helped, but you weren't able to. On the other hand, Dahlia is fed. Yeah, I'm sure that's very comforting to Desmond. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will, without saying anything else, I rejoin the two. Yep. the person who's trying to remain most human is the first to lose humanity or get stayed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, trying... Sometimes some things are necessary, even if they're not exactly great. <laughs> trying... Killing people isn't necessary. Just yeah, it is necessary. It's become a necessary part of your existence. And so pushing this awful occurrence to the back of your minds... You continue on, prowling the streets, looking for something for Derek and Desmond to eat. And about five minutes later, you cross a street, come to another street corner, and there, standing across the road from a car park on the front step of a backpacker's hostel, you see a man in a massive chicken costume screaming at his phone in German. He's obviously angry and disappointed, and he couldn't be more out of place. Hmm. Dahlia, can you use your powers now? I... a chance? Can you... Try to calm him, maybe? (laughs) I I was going to say, could we try to lure him somewhere? Oh, yes. Convince him to come with you. Well, I would like to avoid... Well, uh... Derek needs to eat, and I would like to avoid another situation where yes. someone potentially dies in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, can I... Is he, is he angry, or is it just German? That's a uh, Angry question. and German. Mm. Okay. I mean, all German sounds angry if you listen to it. They do sound... <laughs> Apologies um, to any yeah. German listeners. <laughs> um... Yeah, um, so Dahlia, what would you like to do? Are you going to try to calm him? Um, I want to see if I can... Because we, we want him to come over to us, yeah? Yep, seems to be what Desmond wants, like lure him away to 
maybe into the car park across the road where it's a bit more secluded. And somewhere we're not going to get seen, yeah. Okay. I am going to do a few things if I can find them in the book. Sorry, guys. I'm reading. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that was getting annoying, constantly going back and forth with the books, and I'll just a word, a word document open that I copy and paste on my That's actually book. a good idea. The book is so badly laid out. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? White yeah, I need to start. books I have always been badly laid out. <laughs> the Vampire the Requiem book's even worse. Really? This is so this is such a struggle. Yeah, the, the yeah. Requiem book's even worse. <laughs> I think it might just be a problem there. White Wolf, they just don't know how to lay Yeah, out White Wolf have never known how to lay out books. Yeah. So can I use my ore? Yep. And I wanna see if I can use I have Yeah uh, you... Beauty? A couple points in beauty. Yeah, so you can use your ore, so I'll allow you to add your presence and your beauty dots. To oh, a charisma persuade check if you want to strike up a conversation with him and try to lure him away. So charisma, presence, and then my beauty dots, yes? Yep, yep. I can do this. Oh, I have three beauty dots, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is nine dice that I'm rolling. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> this is what I'm good at. Okay, guys, don't put me in battle. This is what I'm good at. Convincing people to talk to me. All right. Okay. That was good. Um, that's a 10. That's one 10. Yes, one 10. Uh, that's four successes and four. Ooh, yeah. For under five. Plus Four successes. Yeah, that that's more than enough. So five, including the ten. You hold up your hand to tell the other two to wait, and you walk towards the angry German chicken man. And as he sees you approach, he stares right at you, and he holds out his phone and he says, "Ah, pretty lady, please uh, help, help!" And you approach him, and he holds out his phone. He sort of pushes it into your face, and you see that he has got Google Maps up, and it's in German, and he's pointing his finger at the screen, and he's saying, uh, my friends have a, have a, a pranked me, and now I uh, not know how to get back to my hotel. Uh, please, you help. Please, lady. And So I know my friends are in the car park, yeah? Yep. You so see I'm them. like, I say, I, I say to him, oh, I can, I can drive you if you need me to. Oh, and yes, yes, you, you have car. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes. I don't want to walk. Not in this city, not in this part of city. Uh, not alone. I don't know where I'm going. And you say, don't worry. I'll, I'll give you a drive and we'll, we'll figure out where you need to go and we'll get you home safe. And he smiles. He says, yeah, oh, thank you very much. And... You lead him across the road into the car park and there, standing in the shadows, uh, pressed against a brick wall at the back, you see your two friends, Desmond and Derek. You see Dahlia entering the car park, leading the German chicken man behind her. 
He's got his, his eyes are fixated on his phone and occasionally he looks up and says something to Dahlia in German. Um, perhaps some sort of pickup line as every time he says the phrase in German, he goes red in the face and shoots her a cheesy smile. What do you do? Uh, does, it, does the chicken suit make it more difficult? <laughs> um. Well, you'll you'll have to try and see. Uh. Well, let's just take this calmly. So, if you're in level five hunger, are you able to just calmly bite someone, or do you have to? Well, freak the crap out. Well, he's already resisted frenzy, so he can. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, am I able to just? Quietly grab the dude because I can yeah. do that stealth thing where I don't move. Yeah. So you just stand still, invisible, and you wait for Dahlia to lead the chicken man past where you're standing. And then you leap out, make a strength brawl check, please, and you may add an extra dice because you caught him by surprise. Mm. Uh, looks good. It's four successes. Dahlia steps back as you leap out, wrap your arms around the chicken man, covering his mouth, mouth with one so of your yeah, hands. Yeah. He muffles, <laughs> shouting in German, Don't worry, we're not going to hurt you. And then Derek steps forwards, and you see Derek just looking at the man, mentally working out where his neck would be in within the folds of this chicken suit. And then you... There's such promise. <laughs> and then you bear your fangs and sink them into the side of the chicken's face. Your fangs pierce the fabric and then they find what you're looking for. You feel his skin. You sink your fangs into his skin and feel the sweet blood running warm down your throat. Your beast urges you onwards. More, more, more. And you almost lose yourself in the feeding until Dahlia steps forwards, grabs you by one hand, and Desmond pushes you away with his other hand. Unless you choose to go further. No, I'll resist. Yep. Okay. Let me take what I need to. So reset your hunger to one, please. While he's feeding, I'm going to take the guy's phone and like order him an Uber. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so he knows where he's going. I was going to feel bad if we left this dude just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How are you checking his phone, though? Well, she can um, rouse her blood to blush of life. I can do that. Does that do anything? Do I just mark So you make a rouse check and you may get hungrier, but your hunger is at zero, so. You go up yeah. to hunger one, if anything. So what's a rouse check? So roll a d10, and if it's a, if it's above six, <laughs> you don't get hungrier. Just a normal d10. Just a normal d10. Yes, it's seven. Seven. So you, your hunger remains at zero, and as Derek licks the wound shut, the chicken man just stands there, and he sighs contentedly, and he says, Oh, ich bin nein, Berliner, and... Take his phone, rouse your blood, and you see one of your fingers, your index finger, grow 
grow redder in colour as blood begins to pump through its veins. You feel your skin grow moist and then you take his phone out of his hand, quickly order him an Uber and then place the phone back in his hand and gesture for the others to follow you out of the car park, leaving the chicken man standing there in the light waiting for his ride. As you... Yep. Uh, painting, sorry, I'm just, yeah, just looking, I'm just, uh, forget this ever happened, and I'll use my uh, cloud memory just to make him forget those last few moments. You make him forget that he's even seen you, and as you step out of the car park and begin walking once more down the street, you once again hear him shouting angrily in German with snatches of English. Hans, when I find you, ah, uh, this godforsaken prank. Now it's just Desmond. Oh. Right, me. <laughs> All right, what, what's the you don't have to. to you don't have to wait long. You reach the end of the city block, bringing you to the back of the Cicero, the apartment building. And then you turn right and begin to make your way along the outside perimeter of the apartment building. And there, Desmond, you see your victim, drunk and dancing on the streets. This bespectacled young hipster looks like the happiest person on earth. As soon as he sees you, he rushes towards you and hugs you and then lets go and starts jumping around you, barely containing his joy. Uh, this is confusing. Uh, he's just dancing around you and he embraces all three of you in hugs and he's just saying yes <laughs> oh this is amazing oh, I can't believe it I've waited so long or what have you been waiting for okay I'd like you to please make a composure persuade check for me Desmond oh okay uh, one, two, three, four, and then persuasion. Okay, I got, uh, I got two successes. The man continues dancing around. Oh, this is so great. Here I come. Oh, it's all uphill from here. Oh, I'm so happy, guys. And you cut him off and you just ask him a couple times. You're so happy for, what are you happy for? What are you yeah. happy for? And then you break him out of his latest little dance and he just stops. He says, oh, oh, you don't, you don't know? Oh, uh, he gestures, uh, gestures to the smartphone that he holds in his left hand. He turns it around so you can see the screen. And on the screen, there's an IMDb page open, a movie poster up on the screen for a film titled Wander and Sully. And there, standing next to the leading lady, is this man. Oh. Uh, congratulations. You realise you are about to drink from someone who is soon to become a real star. And is incredibly drunk. Yeah. This isn't meta knowledge. I just kind of know that when somebody's got a lot of stuff in their bloodstream, you generally don't want yeah. to be messing with it. 
he pulls the he takes the phone away from you shoves it into his pocket and then he holds out opens his arms and he says come on my man even come come on my man even someone like you should be happy today come on man and he embraces you in a hug without waiting for your response uh okay uh is anyone else around just your two just your two friends i'm like incredibly awkward in the situation but i'll fight him Without so, saying anything, you just sink your fangs. Well, I, like, I'll return the hug, and then yeah. I'll just bite him. Return the hug, and then as the other two watch awkwardly, you bite into his neck. Your first Very taste of... because my teeth are fucked up. Yeah. One fangs longer than the other, and where I everyone just, else I think left... I like it's a dog mouth sort of thing, <laughs> like, with all the fucked up teeth. Where everyone else <laughs> left two neat little pinpricks you've made more like a, a razor sharp cut across his neck yeah you feel the blood go down your throat your first taste and you realize what the fuss has been about your mind instantly flashes to all the people you've helped all of the addicts and your own advice that you've given them starts replaying in your mind you can see how someone would grow addicted to this you need to have self-control and so once you hear your beast beginning to purr you pull yourself away licking the wound shut the man raises his hands and dances and he says oh man i'm so happy look give me your number and i'll get you some free tickets man uh sure give him my home phone number or something you write your rarely used home phone number on a piece of paper and hand it to him and he takes it and he smiles beaming he says oh this is so so good i'm gonna be a star and then he dances away past you further down the street towards a beat up old holden commodore that's parked at the street corner he reaches it and slumps against it and slumped over the front bonnet you just hear him laughing <laughs> as you turn the corner and see the rest of your coterie assembled in front of the cicero looking well fed i'm just confused delia this is the kind of person you want to be drinking off consistently is this right <laughs> indeed this is the kind of guy that no, dahlia would be drinking from normally <laughs> although normally he'd be fawning over her and not the other way around it's not fawning over mm. himself um desmond i'd like you to make a stamina check please oh yes yes because oh, i drank of the booze man mm -hmm. so Joy what is it nice. <laughs> stamina and something else or just, just stamina? stamina okay i got one success one success you feel yourself growing slightly woozy and you stumble a couple of times, but you shake your head and manage to get yourself back in control and quickly catch up with the others. This guy wasn't also on a drug bender, so you're fine. That's good. <laughs> you see Hope and Sylvia and Dusty standing in the pale streetlight in front of the Cicero. They all look well fed, although you see that Hope is wavering back and forth. And as she sees you, she raises a hand and calls out 
Hey, hope your night's been as fun as ours. Woo! Uh, probably not as fun. <laughs> Did I say that? No, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fun? It's fine. Everything yeah. go okay with you people? Hey, uh, so we can be affected by drugs and stuff. Second hand. Third? Second hand. Yeah. Hope is very high slash drunk. <laughs> oh, and the front of life. Sylvia's dress is stained with blood. Ooh. Ooh. Now, Sylvia, you have superficial damage. You can actually heal that at any time by rousing the blood. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I'll try to heal one, I guess. Yep. So you may rouse so the just... blood. Uh, that's a six. That's a six. So you remain at your current level of hunger and you heal one point of superficial damage. Yay. Because you see Desmond and the others just staring at the gash in front of the hem of your dress. And you just say, oh, yes, that's right. And rouse the blood and see the wound closing up before their eyes. So, what time does Mr. Flippyphone say? I look at Sylvia. Get out the flip or was phone. it uh, Dahlia? Dahlia had the flip phone? Yes, Dahlia. Dahlia holds out the flip phone. It's now just after 1am. We mm. might want to find a place to sleep. Yeah. Hmm. We could do stuff after, but we want to probably find a place to sleep first, because I'm... I need to sleep this off. Yeah. What would you did like to Marcus do? Say, uh, did Marcus say he had someone on redial? He did. Like he did. Well, for an emergency? He said, oh. he said to give them a call, hit redial, mention his name. Not necessarily for an emergency, just when you needed help. Ah, uh, right. Let's just sleep. Sounds like we need help. Yeah. We have no money right now. Mm. Well, we got apartment keys, and there's probably some empty apartments, but yeah. <laughs> it's up to you. You can sleep in the apartment, but you do have a lifeline. Could you use mm. the lifeline? He did mention well something call called the Red Star. Is that a or Soviet thing? Might be. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. <laughs> yeah, Russian uh, nightclub. Yeah. Are we South Melbourne. To go to the Red Star. Plenty commies. Mm. Uh, should we take a vote? What do people want to do? Have we heard of a place called the Red Star? Like in our human lives at all? Um, you, you have you in particular, Dahlia. From you know, you're a hipster. You're well connected in the counterculture scene in Melbourne. You've never been to the Red Star, but you've heard of it being a bohemian sort of dive bar somewhere in St. Kilda. Um, oh, and would it, that be a streetwise thing? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you can roll streetwise if you want. Um, just, intelligence, plus, intelligence plus streetwise. You all, uh, Dahlia, you've heard of it, and you know it's... 
apparently some sort of bohemian dive bar in St. Kilda, and a couple people have told you you should check it out, but you've never been, and that's all you know about it. I got three successes when I rolled for that. Meanwhile, Desmond, you've never been, but you know slightly more than Dahlia. You know that the Red Star once had a reputation for being a, quite a rough place. It's wedged right underneath a freeway overpass. But in recent years, it's sort of become a hot spot for perhaps the most vocal part of Melbourne's counterculture, the openly rebellious anarchy, the re openly rebellious anarch, anarchy supporting mm. people, the ones who would vote for the Socialist Alliance. So, do I know where it is? You know roughly where it is, but it is a fair distance away. It's in St Kilda. It'd be, you know, at least an hour or two walk. Mm. Is it a weekend? Um, yes, it is a weekend. Okay, let's just catch the, the 109 down to St. Kilda. <laughs> it is late night public transport. Yeah, you can, you can catch... Yeah. Can catch public um, transport if you like. Vampires are on the bus. But what, 109 runs from... Well, no. Well, I mean, we can... Mikey's? <laughs> like... Yeah. 2016's, well, it's Mikey's. They're not going to they're, they're be <laughs> yeah. checking tickets at this time of night. Yeah. No, okay. that is like I you... mean, we could always just wipe their memories and pretend they're boring. Well, you got enough Jedi mind tricks. We can... Yeah. This is the first step yeah. down our criminal path. Yeah. yeah Illegal <laughs> transport on public transport. We can... We, yeah, we can jump on the 109. It goes straight down from, like, Crown to St. Kilda Beach, so... Okay. Cool. Yep. That said, it yeah. leaves from Crown, which is, you know, about a 20 or 30 minute walk from where you are. Shit. You are in South Wait, Melbourne. Crown, South, South Melbourne. I mean, they're not why particularly we... far, but. Why don't we call up the lifeline first? See if he wants us to stay here. Or if he can, like, get a place. Sure. Worst he can say is no, fuck you. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you can catch public... There is public transport oh. at this time, and you'd probably be undisturbed, but you do know that the Inquisition is apparently prowling the streets. Yeah. Um, I feel like the tram is the last the, place... The worst thing you could say is he's part of the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that said, oh, you're they right. probably won't find... Yeah, so... Yeah. I feel like we need like a map of Melbourne up so we can put a little like this yeah, is where I'll work is currently just so that we know because like I know Melbourne well and it's like okay where are we? Yeah, no, we I'll I'll grab that for next session because yeah, that's a good idea. We do need one. Um, right, Docklands. Yeah. All right, there's nothing to do here. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, so we're voting on call the person first, and then if that doesn't work, we're going to take the tram. Yeah, same good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now that yeah. you've or bus or whatever's around. <laughs> now that you have satisfied your need for blood, you become aware of another new sensation. Your beast senses the approaching sunrise, and you begin to feel a creeping languidness, the first signs of the deep slumber that you sense will fall upon you within a few hours. You must find a safe place to spend the day where the deadly sun cannot find you. You must find it quickly. So Dahlia pulls out the flip phone and slams her finger on the redial button. And then I took past the phone to Hope. Because Hope sees oh. her what she's doing. Anna. 
No, Dark Heart just wasted it. Oh, shit, no. No, I got it. I grab it out of a hand. I want to start, hey. Desmond snatches it out of Hope's hands and just in time to hear the click on the other end as the person answers, a sharp female voice says, Marcus, what's up? This isn't Marcus. This is friends of Marcus. Uh, acquaintances of Marcus? Let's go with that. He said to call you if we need a hand. We're new. Right. New. Well, he owes me a favour. I guess I'll come pick you up. I suppose you need a place to sleep for the day. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Where are you? And then I tell them where they are because we don't know yeah. where we are currently. You say you're somewhere There's in South the Melbourne, the Cicero. And she says, ah, the Cicero, yeah. Uh, good on good on Marcus. Dropped you off in his domain. I know exactly where you are. Hang tight. Uh, try to stay out of sight. There's oh, six of us. Six of you. Right. I'm going to hurry up. And you hear her bark an order to someone to put the pedal on the metal on the other side of the phone and then she says try to stay out of sight i'll be there in a moment i'm only a few minutes away and then just before she hangs up you hear her mutter under her breath six neonates oh he's gonna owe me big for this i close the phone and then i question if that was a racial slur or something <laughs> we got he told us someone with neonates didn't he yeah yeah, I think that just Did means he? baby. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. yeah. Means like baby. <laughs> could mean baby, could be a horrible racial slur. You don't know. But based on the context that Marcus used the word, probably just means fresh vampire. Mm-hmm. See, so, the other guys, fresh meat was what they called us, so I like neonate better. <laughs> yeah. The other guys were not nice. At all. <laughs> and so, sure enough, a few minutes later, you hear the crunch of wheels on asphalt and creep out from the alleyway where you're waiting and see a posh black limousine pulling up on the curb in front of the Cicero. Oh, wow. A mm. brown skinned man looks at you from a half open driver's side window and he smiles and he says your lift oh i hope so yeah as you step towards the limousine the back door opens and inside you see jackie a petite tan-skinned woman in a figure hugging purple sequined dress with long black hair as she sees you approach she shifts visibly along the seat to the other side of the car and then pats the car seat next to her unlike marcus's suv the back of this limousine is spacious luxurious and there's just enough room for you all to make make yourselves comfortable inside perhaps even put your feet up Hmm. Okay, well, oh my get God. Limo. <laughs> you are so pretty. <laughs> Rose is the you last so one pretty. in, stumbling oh, yeah. 
into the vehicle and saying, you're so pretty as she stumbles and falls down onto the seat and then reaches over, pulls the door shut behind her, taking twice, three times, four times before she finally gets it shut. Jackie just frowns and shrugs and then nods her head, the driver looking through the small glass window that separates the back of the limo from the cockpit, smiles, and then you hear the engine roar to life, the wheels crunching on the road as the limo pulls out of the street and onto a main road merging with the light early morning traffic. Jackie studies each of you one by one and she says well you seem to be well fed maybe a little too well fed in some cases she looks at hope who is now like swooning over the swooning looking as if she's about to throw up but thankfully vampires can't throw up I'm sorry. It was this year, this year, many of the years old when they found out the drugs affect us. She says, "Yes, they do." Um, please be careful who you drink from, because, well, you all see the result. Mm. She says, "Now, it's funny when it doesn't happen to you, though." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She she smiles and raises her head and she says, yeah, I'll agree with you there. It's funny, especially when it's Neonate's first night out on the town and, well, (laughs) look at her. She says, anyway, as funny as it is, you'll have to find a safe place to stay long term, somewhere no one knows about. Only feeding's more important than a safe place to rest each day, but just barely. Remember, we can't handle sunlight. Even direct, indirect sunlight hurts, and it drives your beast crazy with fear. Wherever you sleep, it's got to be perfectly light-proof. Car trunks and hotel bathrooms work, if you must. But there's always the risk that a mortal will open the door, and then you're toast. Literally. Now, I have an arrangement with Marcus... And that arrangement is that anyone he takes under his wing, I take them to the Red Star. And you get to stay at the Red Star on your first night until you get on your feet. Understand? Hi. He takes in a lot of people then? She says, hmm, he used to. Not so much anymore. The prince has been... She frowns. Rather strict on population control of late, ever since the Uh rumblings of the Inquisition started to reach everyone's ears. Who is this prince we keep hearing about? Is he the guy who sang Purple Rain? Is he a vampire too? (laughs) She smiles, chuckles, throws her head back and says, Ah, ah, the naivety of youth. Please, if you're ever face-to-face with him, never, ever say that. She says, the prince is the head honcho, the one who rules the city. Or so he thinks. 
Well, like it or not, he's the most powerful of us in the city and happens to have himself in just the right position where whether we want to or not, we all have to do what he says. She says there are some who there's not everyone who's not everyone is happy with this arrangement, but we can't really do anything about it, at least not openly. She says, don't worry, you're you're new and well, there's a rule newcomers to the city, whether embraced or new arrivals from somewhere else. She looks over at Rose, who she can tell is obviously not from here you have to present yourselves to prince squizzy let him decide what place you have in the grand camaria plan prince quizzy she smiles she says yes prince squizzy squizzy that's Sounds cute. very Australian. She raises an eyebrow and she says, you'll meet him eventually. Don't let his name fool you. Maybe it sounds cute, but Squizzy Taylor was fucking feared in his time as a mortal. <laughs> and even, and he's even worse now as the kindred prince. Oh. So it's like Deacon Frost and Blade, okay? She says, she shrugs, she says, crack open a history book sometime. Most notorious criminal of the 1920s, and he runs this city with an iron fist. In Australia? She nods. Okay, that explains it. She nods, and she says... Still, that should tell you the type of person you're dealing with. So, your education has to be comprehensive, but it also has to be quick. We're to make sure you neonates don't fuck up, because if you do, well, Squizzy has no tolerance for fuck-ups. Sounds like a great guy. When do I meet him? She smiles and she says, now you get it. Not a nice guy at all. Though, I didn't say that. Anyway, the Red Star is a local hangout for some of us. It's set up as a temporary shelter. You can stay here at least for the coming day and there will be others there who can help you. The conversation is cut short as suddenly the driver lowers the window separating you from him. He says, matter-of-factly, Jackie, ma'am, a white van is following us. I will try to evade it, but they're faster. And so you turn and look through the back window, and you can see the white van in the street behind you. It's definitely the same one that was following you earlier, and despite the driver's best effort to lose them, the limo just can't seem to manoeuvre quickly enough. The white van is gaining on you, and suddenly the traffic is suspiciously light, giving it a clear straight to kick into top speed and barrel towards you. I put on my seatbelt. 
<laughs> do limbers have seatbelts? Well, some of them do. I don't know if this one does, but you fumble for it anyway, not quite finding anything. I think they'd be required to. Yeah, they would be required to. But you, you fumble for the seat belt and you don't quite find anything. And Jackie looks at you each impatiently. She frowns in concern and she says, Okay, which of you knows how to shoot? What? This is, this is Australia. Probably none of us. <laughs> they deliberately did not take any points in it because it didn't feel appropriate. Same. I glance at Hope. Uh, you're American, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not rich. Uh, Maybe that is that. That's got money of Americans. Guns. <laughs> I reach in my jacket. I pull out the steak knife I got from the restaurant. Oh, Jackie sighs and she and says, "Oh, the the music bot disappeared." Yeah, I know. I'm getting it back. She says, mm, "You're going to have to learn." to do things that you wouldn't have done before. She says, if they catch us, well, you'll wish you were dead. And I mean, not dead like we're currently dead. I mean, proper dead. And then she reaches forwards and pulls open a small compartment at the top of the wall in front of her, revealing a Ruger twenty-two revolver. She pulls it out and holds it, and says, one of you, I don't care. I need the covering fire. Someone take this. Do your best to hit the bloody thing. I'm better with my hands. So. Yeah. Good dexterity goes a long way. Yep, and you can always rouse the blood to add more, um, add more dice to the pool, if you like. Oh, no, I mean, I'm good at punching shit, so someone else should take the gun, I mean. So who's going to take it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Who's got the highest? Well, who's got good dexterity? I have some dexterity. Okay, two. Yeah, two. I got two. Two's better than nothing. <laughs> so, two, two, two. Seems like two. none of us build a dex space. Well, it was at oh, three, God. but then, uh, well. Oh, no. I'll, I'll give it here. I'm the American. Give yeah. it here. <laughs> You reach into the compartment, pull out yes, the revolver. The coke, the coke taker, the and <laughs> hope that your American heritage will pull through as you lean and up. Something in my blood stirs. <laughs> as you lean up on the back of the seat and point the gun out the back windscreen towards the uh, towards the white van that is rapidly gaining on you. I rouse my decks and do not get hungrier. <laughs> Good. Well, says Jackie. Click, come on, click, come click. on. Oh, all right. Safe, safety. Safety off. <laughs> Blam. Yep, go ahead. Please roll a dex firearms check. And I believe you've roused yeah. the blood. Sure have. One success. One and success. Okay. Which I'm assuming is the bestial failure. Uh, one success. A bestial failure will only happen if there's no successes at all. So you're lucky. Oh, okay, good deal. So it's just one success. You steady the gun and 
narrow your eyes, call the blood, feel it surging through your body, holding the gun as steady as you can. You see the shadowy silhouette of the van's driver behind the windscreen as the van roars, drawing closer and closer to you. And then you squeeze the trigger. Bang! The back windscreen shatters, showering you, showering you all with tiny shards of glass as your bullet flies through it, quickly covering the gap between you and the van. It slams into the front of the van's windscreen, but a couple of inches to the right of the driver. The tyres on the van screech as the driver wrenches the wheel to the left, swerving to avoid any more shots you might fire off. And then you see someone... You see someone hanging out of the passenger side window, a firearm of their own in their hand, and they raise it, point it towards your car, and fire. Go ahead and please make a dex athletics check to dodge, Hope. Oh, dear. Good thing I roused that. And hey, I actually have points on athletics. Ah, see how much... Yeah, okay. So that'll be three successes. Three successes. The blood still honing your senses and reflexes. As soon as you see the muzzle flash, you duck under the seat. You feel the seat vibrate as the bullet slams into the top of it where your head was only a fraction of a second ago. This very brief skirmish has allowed the limo to gain a slight amount of distance, ever so slightly pulling ahead of the van. You're all jostled to the left as the driver wrenches the limo around a corner, screaming down a wide four-laned main street into thicker traffic the van almost collides with the traffic as it attempts to weave through it. And as the limo merges with the onrush of cars making their way back home from a night of clubbing, partying, or making merry in the city, neither, neither the limo nor the van is able to gain any significant distance what do does anyone else do anything <laughs> my powers aren't equipped for this <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm assuming this situation wouldn't count as relative quiet would it <laughs> no not really mm -hmm. yeah. can I possibly use my premonition to figure out like to be able to say this is the best way to get away right now? Yes, you can. You can make a yes, rouse check, please. Okay. Love premonition. So that's just a d20. Yep, okay. just a d10. A d10, sorry. Too much D&D. Uh, that <laughs> is a six. A six. You are still at hunger zero. Well done. Um, so as Rose creeps back up and 
steadies herself on the back of the seat, aiming the gun. You keep calling me Rose. Oh, sorry, Hope. I keep calling you Rose. I don't know why I keep calling you Rose. Your name is Hope. Sorry. Um, I can switch it Rose. Yeah. They don't care. As Hope steadies herself on the back of the seat, holding the gun out, carefully aiming, getting ready to fire off a shot again, you close your eyes, Dahlia, and call the blood to provide you with insight. A vague image flashes into your mind. Air screeching out of one of the air screeching out of one of the van's tires as the van drives over shards of sharp glass scattered scattered across the length of a narrow alleyway between two grey brick buildings. Just behind you is what's left of a glass sign hanging from a storefront, a bullet having shattered it. You read what's left of the sign. You can make out a name, Mike's. Open your eyes and gazing ahead at the end of this street, you see a narrow alleyway weaving between two grey brick buildings. A faded billboard plastered on a wall reads Mike's Jazz Club and an arrow pointing to the left directing you into the alleyway. Uh, I pointed out to the driver and be like, go that way, quick. The tires screech as the driver nods and wrenches the wheel to the left. Your car turns, nearly going up on two wheels, jostling you around as it speeds into the narrow alleyway. And there you see it, the big glass neon sign hanging across the alleyway, just overhead, a red and pink light flashing, reading Mike's Jazz Club with an image of a saxophone next to the word music notes drifting out of its mouth lining up a shot on the van because I didn't see the vision the rear windscreen fills up with bright light as the van's engine roars and it turns you into that something? yeah I say quick shoot down the sign shoot the sign I say what? And the gun lifts and I shoot directly at the side of them. <laughs> yeah. The van's engine roars as it begins to gain on you. The driver hunched over the steering wheel, determined to catch you. Shall I roll or is this a... Please make a dex firearms check and you may get a bonus dice because you've been told what to shoot and it's a fairly big sign. That's two successes. Two successes. You lean out of the passenger side window and raise the gun shaking in your hand. Point it diagonally up and fire. Bang! The bullet hits the neon light and the entire sign shatters into hundreds of pieces showering down upon you as you pull your head back inside the limo. The limo the limo driver urges the car onwards, speeding at top speed down the alleyway. You watch as the van gains on you. 
coming closer and closer and closer until you hear a great hiss. And one of the van's front tires drives over a particularly sharp shard of glass and is shattered. You see a plume of steam expelled from the tire as the van begins to slide from left to right and the driver furiously spins the wheel trying to bring it back under control. Good, good, says Jackie. She smiles and then with her right hand reaches into a small black and gold rimmed handbag by her side pulling out a tiny pistol. It is bedazzled with sparkling rhinestones, looking almost like a toy. But she raises it, takes takes aim carefully, and narrows her eyes, shoots, bang, and hits the other... and hits the other tyre at the front of the van. It pops immediately, shredded rubber flying into the air behind the van and you hear a loud screech as the van swings sideways the limo comes to the end of the alleyway and the driver wrenches the wheel to the right turning the limo out onto another main street merging with the traffic and once you're at least a city block away and the white van is nowhere to be seen you hear the driver loudly sigh oh thought we were goners as the limo slows down to a more reasonable speed i want to be as cool as you when i grow up i say to jackie (laughs) jackie just winks at you and she says good smart thinking from all of you we got away and i think that's definitely cause for celebration the limo you want your gun back she put as she says this she reaches into the handbag with her other hand pulls out a flip phone and begins to press buttons on it she looks over the top of the phone and she says just letting marcus know that perhaps you're not as useless as i thought you were me all of you she says even the four of us who did absolutely nothing during the interaction (laughs) she says you stayed cool under pressure and that's going to be useful it's almost a shame that Prince Squizzy's going to force you into the Camarilla. I'm sorry, what's a Camarilla? She says, Camarilla. Think of them as, well, kindred government. A political faction that would rather have nothing to do with some of us. They've circled their wagons against the Second Inquisition and dabble very little in our affairs. Frankly, I prefer it that way. They have a million rules about population control and upholding the secret of our existence. Prince Squizzy 
is a Camarilla hardliner. According to him, every kindred in Melbourne is part of the Camarilla, whether they like it or not. As I said before, not everyone's happy with that arrangement, but I won't say any more. Don't know if you're to be trusted quite yet. Okay. You sit in silence for a few minutes as the limo makes its way through South, South Melbourne. Eventually, the heritage-listed Victorian-era buildings give way to slightly grimier, slightly dirtier, more industrial-looking structures. Houses and businesses that were once industrial warehouses and factories converted for a more converted for a more hipster clientele here in St Kilda the bookstores cinemas and blocks of flats are occasionally punctuated by hipster cafes and upmarket restaurants ending lending an air of bohemian chic to the suburb and eventually you reach your destination butting up against a freeway overpass the red star is a dingy two-story bar a huge soviet flag hangs in the front window the communist symbol displayed prominently. This is the mm. kind of place where drinks are unpretentious, mostly beer and bourbon. The fanciest cocktail one can order here is a Jim Beam and Coke. This is the kind of place you come for the discourse, not for the drink. The limo comes to a stop. The driver smiles as Jackie pushes open the door next to her and climbs out and he says as you all follow her hopefully next time's a much more smoother drive good luck friends thanks jackie Thank you jackie waits for you to all climb out and then she pushes the door shut nods to the driver who leaves the You're engine idling <laughs> she is very cool. And then, gesturing for you to follow her, she begins to walk briskly towards the Red Star. I get about five paces, realize I've still got the gun in my hand and tuck it in my coat. Yeah, probably wise. <laughs> you see everyone else just watching you, watching you cautiously until you realize you're holding the gun and then tuck it away. And then you all follow after Jackie. She pushes open the double wooden doors that serve as the entrance to the bar. And you follow her in. A no-nonsense brunette inside, wearing jeans and a leather vest covered in pins, introduces herself quickly as Sage, fellow kindred, and then leads you to the bar's windowless storeroom, past a... Past a long wooden counter manned by a by a well-built, muscly bartender clad in a leather biker's jacket. 
In the windowless storeroom, threadbare sheets cover thin hospital mattresses. Sage wastes no time. She simply smiles sternly and points at the mattresses with a finger. It's still at least an hour before dawn, but it's your first night active. And it's certainly been eventful. And you can feel the blood in your bodies growing languid, heavy. The mattresses seem to call for you. Mm. I'll phase first into one. <laughs> Hope steps forwards, falls face first into one of the mattresses and is immediately lifeless and still. Except there's a then there's a couple of turns like a cat trying to get comfy. Yeah. I reach in, I pull out the phone case and I stare at it and put it carefully next to me. Carefully on the floor mm. next to the mattress. Eddie's phone, Eric's phone case. And then you close your eyes and the rest of you watch as Hope's skin grows grey and pallid as her eyes roll back in their sockets and she ceases to move, quiet and still as death. The rest of you barely have time to get comfortable before the dawn sleep overtakes you and much like hope you stumble towards the threadbare mattresses and collapse the blackness quickly stealing away your consciousness Dahlia I would like you to please roll a number of dice equal to the number of checkboxes on your humanity track that do not have stains in them. Okay, so I have one stain, so I have nine dice I can roll? Uh, nope, so what it will be is you'll be at humanity seven, so oh. so you'd have three empty boxes and one of them now has a stain, so you roll two dice. Okay. So it works like health, or works kind of like health. A one and a nine. A one and a nine. So in the brief moments you have, Dahlia, before your consciousness <laughs> fades away, an image sticks in your mind, the image of the ranting homeless lady, her bloodless, terrified face staring up at you, lifeless, after you've stolen her life. You feel twitch of guilt and then before you fall asleep you tell yourself it won't happen again you may clear the stain away and your humanity stays at seven does not decrease you have at least tonight justified what you have done The day sleep passes quickly. It seems like only seconds go by between you sinking into the mattresses and your eyes flickering open as darkness falls on the next night. As you awaken and as your languid blood begins to pump through your undead bodies, animating you, 
I would like everyone to make a rouse check, please. Now, which ones are those again? That's a d10, and if it's a success, your hunger does not go up. So six or above, your hunger does not go up. That is a three. So your hunger goes up to hunger one, Dahlia. So six was success? Six is a success, your hunger stays the same. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's a one, though, does it? Uh, if it's a one, your hunger goes up by two. Jesus. Oh, okay. So, okay, so it goes up by two. Ooh, okay. that's nasty. So you're at hunger three now. <laughs> Does anything very good happen if you get a ten? If you get a yeah. ten, your hunger just doesn't go up. Okay, oh. okay. Damn it, I just got a ten. And Hope? Hope <laughs> and Dusty? Uh, Hope and Derek? One. Um, so, no, I don't get hungrier. Yep. Wait, you yeah, got a... Gotta... Yep. Sorry, what'd you oh, get, Derek? I got a 10. 10? So your hunger stays yeah. the same? And did you get a 1, Hope? No, I got a 1 success. Oh, 1 success, right. Yep, so... Yeah. So everyone's hunger stays mostly the same, but the act of awakening makes Dahlia and Dusty hungrier. Your eyes pop open at sundown, alert and ready to go. You feel your hunger, your endless companion, and you briefly reminisce about the events from last night and the vivid dreams you may have experienced. You see the thick, muscled bartender standing above you. He picks each of you up in turn, grabbing you by the hand and hoisting you up off your mattresses and then directs you upstairs. As he picks you up, you can feel his pulse and heartbeat. He's mortal. For a moment, you struggle with your desire to sate your hunger. Then you wonder if maybe he's into the whole deal. As you reach the ground floor of the Red Star, you see two kindred you've already met sitting at the wooden bar, conversing with each other, Sage and Jackie. Sage looks over, and as you enter the room, she flashes you a brief smile and says, Slept well, I hope? I don't have a hangover, so that's a plus. I was expecting one. Uh, Quick question. Yep. So I had an, what's the worst one, an aggravated wound? Yep. So is that... Ah, so you have, yeah, you had an aggravated wound, and... So that's something I heal when I wake up, isn't it? Yep, so that heals now, that's gone. okay. Cool. Well, actually, first you have to rouse the blood again to heal it. As you wake up, so you've already roused the blood for waking up, but now you rouse the blood to heal your aggravated wound. Three rouse checks. Yeah. What is that? So that's... that's one. Yeah, so you need three mm. rouse checks to heal one aggravi- uh, one aggravated damage, so go ahead. Jesus Christ. Yeah, aggravated yeah, damage aggravated. takes... It hurts. Yeah, so, all right, so that first one was a one, so does that mean that my hunger goes up by two? Hunger goes up by two, yep, so you're at hunger God three. God damn it, Dusty. <laughs> uh, that is a fail, just a regular fail. Yep, so hunger goes up to four. God damn it. Uh, that one is a success. Alright, okay. so your aggravated wound is healed, but your hunger is up to four. Yeah. 
Sage. All I can say is you were tasty. <laughs> Sage looks over at you. She seems to notice your bloodshot eyes, the lack of colour in your skin. And she says, if you need anything, make sure you ask the bartender. He's a ghoul, okay? Gets a hit of vamp blood once a month. Makes him loyal and stronger. Always good to have someone looking out for your daytime needs. She snaps her finger and the bartender stumbles towards you, Derek. And he holds out a bare wrist. So, like Renfield? Uh, yeah. Okay. Jackie nods and says... So. Jackie nods and says, You want to go Dracula? Go Dracula. He's a Renfield. Beats Twilight. Derek, do you sink your fangs into the bartender's wrist? Uh, yeah. Just like, just, yeah, it gives like an awkward, uh, thanks. <laughs> Bite into his wrist, feel his blood on your tongue. It tastes slightly different to what you drank last night. It's tangier, slightly more potent, perhaps the fact that he's a ghoul. You drink for only a mere second before he steps backwards and pulls his wrist away from you. Sage leans over the counter, licks the wound on his wrist closed, and then she smiles at you. She says, consider it a morning pick-me-up. You may reduce your hunger by one point down to three. She says, so, yep. Oh, yep, yes, Desmond. Oh, well, I was just going to inquire. Um, this second Inquisition people, do you have much information on what uh, they're up to in the city? Sage says, city? Sage looks over at Jackie, and Jackie says, well, they want us dead. We know that much. And before they kill us, well... Let's just say they like to make our last moments a living hell, or an unliving hell, from what I've heard. Well, Marcus said he found you in one of their safe houses, so you probably have an idea already. It was... it wasn't the worst I've seen, but it was pretty bad. She nods and she says, Look, as far as we know, they're only starting to make inroads into Melbourne now. Only heard rumblings of their activities so far. A couple of unexplained disappearances, things like that. But, well, we've heard from people out of town. There's been quite a few refugees coming to Melbourne recently. Inquisitions got their claws in elsewhere. Word has it they've completely purged Brisbane. Making, in making nice inroads into cleaning up Adelaide as well. She says it's only a matter of time before, you know, she trails off. She says, but we're not going to go down without a fight. Do you know where there might be here in Melbourne? She says, well, that happens to be one of the things that Marcus was working on. Given that you're new, I was trying to get in touch with Marcus... There's a chance that the Inquisition may not have passed on your details to their superiors. 
especially if they haven't had the chance to get their infrastructure set up in the city. Now, I heard from Marcus that you woke up in a restaurant? Yeah. In their meat locker, Fancy restaurant. specific. She yeah. says, right. Now, what I've heard elsewhere, these guys have, you know, black sites. You know, their own headquarters, special prisons where they lock up kindred. If they locked you up in a meat locker in some restaurant, then clearly, well, they don't have the support structures that they need yet in this city, which means if we strike now, we might be able to save you. We might be able to get all of the details they have of you away from them. We might be able to clear your names of course, they'll be after all of us eventually, but integrating into your new existence will be much easier if they don't know your names. She looks over at Sage, and Sage says, Right, so you're new, haven't been presented yet to Prince Squizzy, don't have any friends, so yeah, obviously, I think you should join the Anarch movement. But I'm not going to force you or anything. Whatever you do, though, stick together. It's rough out there for a lick on their own. Without a crew, you'll die. The Anarch movement? Sage we'll looks over at you. And she smiles triumphantly. Behind her, you see Jade roll her eyes. Clearly, you've given Sage a prompt to launch into an impassioned speech. And indeed, she does so. She climbs off the bar stool, stands in front of you all, and begins to pace back and forth, almost shouting, The Anarch Movement is freedom from fascists, capitalists, and other assholes. Elders try to hoard all the resources, keep all the blood to themselves, and push us younger licks under the bus into the hands of Inquisitors. Well, not on my watch. Not while a single one of us Anarchs can bear our fangs at them. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay. So, I'm. it's the Anarch movement. And the Camarilla is like vampire government, do what we say. Exactly, says Jackie. There's the Camarilla, and Sage suddenly cuts her off and spits. Makes a motion of spitting on the floor and with a voice full of venom says, Fucking fascist assholes! Oh, I hate them so much. It's just, you're immortal! Why spend it being a dick to others? So... Jackie, Jackie sighs and says, Well... I can't really add much more to what Sage said, but yeah, there you have it. There's the Camarilla in name. They're in charge of the city. The prince is the figurehead. And he considers the rest of us his subjects, part of the same Camarilla family. But the Anarchs, well, they have a presence in this city too. Squizzies run them mostly out of the CBD. It's here in the suburbs where they have their outposts. Just the same, though, she looks over at Sage and she says, 
With Squizzy's hold on this city, the Anarchs don't quite operate as openly as they used to. And, well, usually there's a process. You have to be vetted, you have to be tested, and then you get invited to a rant, a meeting. Sage nods, and she says, Yeah, but come on, you've already had it out with the Inquisition. Squizzy doesn't want any more new neonates running around. May as well throw your lot in with us where you got the chance. Are there any other vampire political parties? <laughs> yeah, where are the vampire greens at? <laughs> <laughs> Jackie just looks over, narrows her eyes at you, and she says, hmm. She says, there are others, but, well, Squizzy ran them out of the city decades ago one of the only good things he's done well good for the rest of us probably not good for the sabbat she says but you don't want to run into them be glad they haven't been seen in this city for quite some time they like to go around picking people up off the street hit them over the head with a shovel embrace them make them dig their way out of their own graves and set them loose they think vampirism's all about chaos. They see it this way. You're monsters, so act like it. Mm. Sounds familiar. So, uh, say, like, just uh, theoretically, if somebody grabbed you off the street, hit you over the head with a shovel, dumped you in a corpse pit, and made you claw your way out and eat people... Does that mean you have to be Sabat or... Sage and Jackie look at each other. Both of them have looks of shock and concern on their faces. There's awkward silence for a few moments and then Sage says, Yep, you're what they call a shovelhead, I take it. Ah, shit. Um, he says... There were shovels involved. She says, well, you're clearly not from around here. So, count yourself lucky. You've put some distance between them and yourself, but... Jackie frowns, leans forwards in front of Sage, and continues where she left off. They don't like it when their shovel heads escape. Well, fuck them. Bunch of assholes. She says, If you do end up presenting yourselves to Prince Squizzy... Maybe don't mention any of this. Sabat packs can be tenacious and, well, I wouldn't put it past them to come from the other side of the planet to get something they want. And she looks at you, narrows her eyes, and she says, if you're what I think you are, then they will want you back. Mm. A tattoo artist? She smiles, and she says, Tell me, you woke up different, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. She says, I can tell. Your clothes barely fit you. They're hanging off your body. Yeah. I need to fix that. She says, You... She says, you, I'm going, I would put money on it, in fact. You are a Zemise. Gesundheit? 
Your clan, she says. You are a Zemese. Sabat flesh crafters can change what their body oh. looks like, change the shape of their limbs, warp the yeah. flesh to their own sick ends. And as far as this city goes, you're unique. What? She says, no Zemese here in Melbourne. Squizzy, Squizzy ran them all out decades ago, like I said. There's been a couple that have passed through since then, but Squizzy's not too crash hot on Sabat clans right here in Melbourne. With this, she looks over at Sylvia. She says, and you, you there, dressed all in black, standing in the shadow, you must be a Lasombra. You're slightly more lucky than he is. You're not the only one of your kind in the city. And, well, the Lasombra left the Sabbat recently, or at least most of them did, petitioned to be accepted into the Camarilla. So, you shouldn't consider yourself an instant enemy among the Camarilla of this city. Well, that's good, I guess. Um, I'm guessing Hope isn't in the same boat, though, if people find out what she is. Um, yeah. Sage smiles. Sage smiles and says, Hey, join the Anarchs and we don't care what the fuck you are. But Jackie so... leans forwards and lowers her voice and says, In polite company, perhaps... Perhaps say you are merely a Kaitiff, the clanless. Okay. She mm. says, Kaitiffs still aren't high up on the totem pole, but at least you won't have Camarilla hardliners trying to stake you and leave you on a rooftop somewhere. Do I need to hide the uh, things I can do? Some of them? She says, hmm... Don't be open with it, and when you must do it, stick to small changes, unless you really have to. It's not out of the question that a kaitiff would somehow have a natural affinity for flesh crafting, but okay. just try to make it seem as if it's something you've slowly gotten used to over time, rather than something you've woken up a master of. Got it. Thank you very much. You literally saved my life here, I think. As for the rest of you, Jackie says, she looks at Desmond, she says, You're a Nosferatu. I don't think I need to say more. Your clan's pretty entrenched in this city. Squizzy's spy masters, mostly. Though, they look after their own, and, well, everyone knows as far as the Nos go, Clan takes precedence over sect. Sure, they're part of the Camarilla, but other Nosferatu come first. Admittedly, I don't really care for all this political jargon. I have a life to get back to after this anyway. She says, right, and hopefully we'll be able to help you get back to that. Mm. She looks over at Derek. And she says, you, you're a bit tricky. Though, all the 
weird occult stuff you're wearing, that talisman around your neck, the long trench coat. You're into, you were into the supernatural before you got embraced, I'm guessing. That was a, that was a bit of a hobby, yeah. <laughs> she says, right, and who would attract someone like that? Well, it must be the Tremere. She says, you, you are in an unenviable position. Your clan, the Tremere, are blood sorcerers. They're part of the Camarilla, but they're only just tolerated. You see, your clan has the power of magic. You're wizards, and, well, no one trusts you. So keep that in no, mind. She says, but it might be worth it at some point... Stop into the local chantry and see if you can't get some of your clan mates to take you under their wing. Then she looks at Dusty, and as she's about to speak, Sage steps forwards and she says, I know who you are, Dusty. I've seen you. I watch your videos all the time. Man, thank you. She says, I saw that one from a couple weeks ago where you where you completely wrecked that fash bastard. You know, he wanted to he was going on about, you know, abortion being against the Bible and how and how, you know, only people who are in a certain income bracket should vote and all of that libertarian shit. She smiles. She says, that was a good one. She says, and, well, no self-respecting member of the Camarilla would turn a rabble-rouser like you, so she looks at Jackie. Jackie nods back at her, and Jackie says, hmm, the Ministry, I think. She says, they used to be known as the followers of Set. Now they call themselves the Ministry. Vampires who control the flow of information. Nominally, they don't have a presence in this city, though a few of them have an outpost here, a kind of embassy sent as ambassadors from Sydney by Prince Sasserine, the Ministry Prince. She says they've clearly, clearly liked what they see in you, the fact that you can stir up a crowd with your words control the flow of information and well for a clan that what's not to like what's not to like indeed she Do says you want a list or for a clan that's essentially based around talking people into talking people into pledging their souls to some weird church that claims to offer them their heart's desires. Well, Southern Baptists. She laughs and she says, no, oh, that's a good way to put it, actually. Consider them kindred fundamentalists. The oh, ministry God. are famous for peddling desire. And they will do whatever they can to get people into their circle, to get mortals 
under their thrall and other kindred to owe them favours. Drugs, women, money, whatever the heart desires, they offer it. And yeah, someone who's good with words, someone who knows how to talk people into things, how to package complex ideologies into simple little bite-sized pieces. Well, they found a perfect candidate in you, Dusty. Thank you. Suddenly, Jackie frowns. She reaches into her handbag, pulls out the flip phone, and looks at it. She says, I've been trying to get a hold of Marcus all evening, and he hasn't responded. She looks over at Sage. Sage looks back at her. It's almost as if... The two know something, and they're silently debating whether or not they should tell you. Wait, so... Backing up a second. So not only am I a vet... A kindred now, I'm also a wizard. That's a thing. Sage laughs and says, You'll get used to it. Count yourselves lucky. Us Bruja can't do anything except punch things and throw cars. You, you get to warp the fabric of reality, you lucky bastard. Better than mine, lot. Why are you wow. trying to sell down throwing cars? I mean, that that sounds like pretty... That would have been very useful last night. Mm. <laughs> I know, right, says Sage. But the Camarilla say it's a masquerade breach. Oh, oh yeah. Can't just well, go just throwing cars around willy nilly. Who knows, might who knows who might put it up on YouTube? Um, sorry, I think we've missed someone. You didn't tell us what Dahlia's clan was. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were going to get to that. I, I didn't want to. Oh yeah. We she looks over at just looks, hiding, hiding in the background. <laughs> she looks over at Dahlia. Instantly sees what Dahlia's wearing. The baggy hipster jeans, the Melbourne University Arts t-shirt, the square-shaped problem glasses. She looks over at her and she says, Hey there, you an art student? Yeah. I mean, I have my gallery openings too, but I just, I'd rather be just called an artist. Toriador, they both say in unison. Consider yourself the sophisticated high society of the Camarilla. Okay. Sage says, Well, I personally think Toriador are nothing more than pretentious gossips, but, well... You know your way around Elysium, and I suppose that'll be useful for you. If you join the Anarchs, maybe you might be able to rile up the crowd at a rant. That's not very nice to say. The flip... Yes, their, their product pitch is a bit much. <laughs> the flip phone in Jackie's hand suddenly beeps. Jackie snatches it off the... Jackie snatches it up to her face, flips it open and looks at it, and she frowns. Hmm, it's not Marcus. She shoots a look at Sage. I would like everybody 
to please make a uh, wits and insight check. Ooh. What have I done with one of those little plan against type? So what was it? Wits and what? Wits and insight, please. Okay. Three successes. Two success. Two for me. Two successes. Does it matter if there's a ten on the hunger dice? Um, only if there's another ten that's not on a hunger dice. There's not another turn. So Lovely. So it's all good. So you all notice. There are five successes and one crit success. Yeah, crit success. So <laughs> I got. I rolled really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so I, I yeah, because of my hunger, I'm rolling two die, which are both hunger die, which I just got a 10 and a 1. 10 and a 1. So you all notice um, as you all notice as the two women stare at each other. There is something that is unsaid. Jackie keeps shooting subtle glances at the six of you and then looking back to Sage. Sage just shrugs, saying nothing. Something has been left unsaid. It's not nice to keep secrets. Mm. Sage looks over at Jackie. You were so talkative about your speech to join your team. What are you keeping from us now, though? Sage looks over at Jackie and she says, Go on, tell him. Maybe, maybe they can help. Maybe, maybe this is what will help us find Marcus. And so Jackie shrugs and she says, Hmm, I don't know. I thought Marcus would come handle this. He said he'd come and pick them up when they got up, but hmm, hasn't been responding to anything. Well... They've had their first night. I guess there's no better time than now. Throw them into the frying pan. She holds up her phone and you see a picture of an envelope on the screen. She says, I've got a message here. It's from one of your sires. Father Patrick. That name sounds familiar. Yes, Sylvia. You know Father Patrick. And so you step forward and she sees your eyes light up with recognition. And she says, Hmm, yes. La Sombra, Father Patrick. He's sent a message. And he wants to get into contact with you. He wants to see you. And the rest of you as well. He's promised safe passage. And although kindred can be duplicitous liars, his offer seems genuine. He sent the message this evening, just after sundown. He wants to see you, Sylvia, and all your friends at the Armitage Lounge, top floor of Crown Metropole. Says he has important business to discuss with you. Now, normally, I wouldn't trust anyone in the Camarilla, let alone a La Sombra 
as far as I could throw them, but the Armitage Lounge, well, hell, the crown in general is considered Elysium. It's the prince's domain, which means that when you're there, you're expecting the prince's hospitality. That means fighting, using your vampiric powers, breaching the masquerade, all that is off limits. And so you can consider the Armitage Lounge to be safe ground. It's where many Camarilla vampires hunt and feed, and at the very least, you're not in danger of violence there. Mm. Right. So... I mean... What do you want to do, Sylvia? Sorry. I, I mean, we might as well. I don't know much about the guy, to be honest. Jackie mm. just shrugs and she says, I know his name and his face, but that's about it. You know him better than me. But I will mention one thing. The Armitage Lounge, like the rest of Crown, is prime cami territory. If you're not part of the Camarilla... You won't get far there if you're seen hunting or trying to get into any of the exclusive places. You'll get dirty looks at best, be run out of the building at worst. So the fact that your sire is there, well, that means he's all buddy-buddy with the Camarilla now, and that's an extremely recent development. Watch yourselves. And with that, we will end this session. With Sylvia's sire having contacted your new friends, requesting an audience, we leave the session at a crossroads. Marcus has apparently disappeared while you've been asleep. And a Lasombra, not exactly one of the most trustworthy f- clans, is now hobnobbing with the Camarilla, requesting an audience not only from his child, but from a group of fresh-faced neonates. Jackie and Sage both appear to be rightfully concerned. Camarilla or the Anarchs? Which will you choose? And as we fade out for this week, I leave you all with a growing sense of dread. The sense that even though you survived your first night, you're about to be thrown into a situation that is even more of a powder keg than the Inquisition. This was Your First Night, Episode 2 of Vampire, War for the Second City, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat. With me, Dale, as Storyteller, Lost Demiurge as Hope, H. Quinn as Sylvia, 
enigma as the clear dusty, paradox mimic as Derek, Mr. Dadlin as Desmond, and Shay Luck as Dahlia. Music was created by Kevin McLeod and is used with permission. Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness are the registered trademarks and property of White Wolf Entertainment and Paradox Game Studios.